feel like I've already been lifted up into the third heaven already today. What a glorious, powerful presence of God. If you can't feel something in this place today, your wood's wet. Amen. God is definitely here. We're so thankful for that. What a great group of people to see this morning on 4th of July. Amen. What a great opportunity to celebrate uh, our freedom. I see a lot of red, white, and blue here today. I'm thankful to be American today. Anybody here thankful for that? Praise God. Before I get started, I understand that one of our esteemed elders celebrated a milestone this week, his 85th birthday. Brother Forrest DeRuin, one of our great elders, one of the silent heroes of our church. We've got so many of his family here today and we're so thankful that they are here to celebrate with him. One of my favorite men, he is one of those silent quiet giants that you just like to get around because he makes you better just by being with him. We have a lot of good people like that in our church and I'm thankful for that. Amen. Next Sunday is going to be an exciting Sunday. Our, our, our seniors, our silver tones are going to be sharing their story. Some of you look at them and you don't think anything about them. You just discount them as Uh, They've always been that way, but the truth is they've not always been this way. They're this way because of the mercy and the grace of God. And you're going to hear some wonderful things and great singing and worship. They're going to have the whole service. So they get to do it all. What they've been wanting to do, what they wish that I would do, they get to do it next Sunday. How good is that? Don't want to miss it. Next Sunday, it's going to be a great celebration. I am so very thankful today that I enjoy the freedoms that I enjoy. Although many of them are in jeopardy, I am thankful that I still get to enjoy the liberties and the freedoms that are a part of our great country. Now I will tell you that I am very ashamed that as a nation in the whole, we have turned our back on God. And to a great degree, our leaders have become ashamed of our heritage and what brought us to where we are and what gave them the liberty and the freedom to say what they're saying came at a price. I don't ever want to forget that. And I am ashamed of any civic leader that will not celebrate our freedom For whatever reason they want to give, let it be noticed today that at Greater Life Church, we are ashamed of any leadership that will not celebrate what our country represents. Praise God. Hey, I've got a word for them. If you don't like it, leave it. Don't get me started. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. I know you've been standing a long time. You get a lot of exercise at Greater Life Church. Revelation chapter 15. I'm going to read the first four verses. 
Revelation chapter 15. While you're turning there, let me say that every time I come to the book of Revelation, I feel like I'm trying to swim in the Pacific Ocean or drink Niagara Falls because it is so vast in its scope and such an immense revelation and the truths that are borne out there, the sweep of it. And I know that when I preach from Revelation, I probably make a lot of true prophecy scholars nervous. So before you choke on what I'm going to say today, I have a word for you. Take a deep breath and chill out. I'm not going to wreck anybody's theology today, but I do want to explore a very powerful passage of Scripture. Revelation chapter 15 and verse number 1. And John said, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having The seven last plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. Here is the completion of all of this chaos and warring that has gone on in the earth. And God is going to bring it to a conclusion. And he will decide the end. And John said, and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. It is interesting to me the alliteration that is used in scripture when Uh, The Jews did not have adjectives as we do in English. And so for them to emphasize or to really drive a point home, many times they would have to say things like, Verily, verily, or surely, surely. And so anytime you see a compilation of things that are mentioned, you are seeing it to its zenith, its ultimate degree of power or evil or whatever and what we have displayed here is that at this sea of glass mingled with fire them that have gotten the victory them that have gotten the victory underline that portion of scripture he's not talking about somebody else he's talking about you and I He's talking about the redeemed people of God. Them that have gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on or some say beside the word is difficult to translate there but it is at the edge of the sea of glass having the harps of God and they sing 
the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. I don't know what the tune was, but I think I can make up my own right now. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. And everybody shout for joy right now because that, that is going to be the grandest song of freedom that's ever going to be sung. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you from, for a little while from that subject. Freedom's grandest song. And everybody said amen and you may be seated. Praise God. As John paints this apocalyptic masterpiece in Revelation, he does so with the vibrant colors of imagery that are drawn from Old Testament characters, the Word of God. And he pulls them together and he ties them in this great prophetic climax of the ages. Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Zechariah and many others are brought together in this concluding book to give us a glimpse of the day that is to come. And through the Spirit's instruction and the Spirit's inspiration, He weaves them all together in this final climactic chapter in time. The depth and the richness of this revelation flows from page to page. It is a narrative that is overwhelming at times and its descriptions are at times breathtaking. The imagery that is portrayed is visionary. It is to the soul and the spirit both inspiring and exciting. It is thought-provoking and it is stirring. It is moving and it is awakening. It is energizing and It is refreshing, it is motivating, and it is thrilling when you read the sweep of his words. For the greater part, Revelation is actually a glimpse of the future. This is what John was told to write in John 1 and 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And so in the first three chapters, you find him writing about the things that are, and then he moves into the future. He moves even beyond our day, to that cataclysmic moment in time when all of the pages will be brought together and all of the prophecies will be brought in harmony. And there in that final moment, we see displayed in Scripture how it's all going to play out. And so our eyes are directed to the future I love that. I am so thankful that I do not serve a God of the past. 
I serve a God of the past and the present and the future. I am thankful today that I have something to shout about. I'm thankful that I have a reason to rejoice as we did this morning. I am thankful that I know something about being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Have you forgotten what it was like when He pulled you out of that miry clay and set your feet on the rock to stay? Somebody ought to shout right now. Somebody ought to celebrate today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. It is in the context of this time to come that there will be the sorting out of all things. The issues of life will all be settled. And the vindicating of God's word and his plan and his purposes will be culminated. Here in the grandest tones, it all plays out. The anticipation of the end of evil and the establishment of God's kingdom of righteousness is what I am living for today. A time when every kindred and every tongue and every people will be under God's righteous rule forever. I don't know about you, my friend, but I plan on being part of that redeemed crowd that gathers on that day and they join with others and they shout, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. One of the great features of the revelation that John writes is the singing of the heavenly family. On three specific occasions. And on others there is the allusion to a song. It is not strange then that the world that began with a song. For in Hebrew culture and in Hebrew thought. They believed that when God created the earth. That when he spoke let there be. He literally said, and God sang, let there be. And so an earth that was formed by the singing of the Almighty is going to be culminated by not only the song of the Lamb, but the song of Moses will join with that. That's your song. That's my song. That's going to be coupled together with his in that day. (laughs) The reason I'm excited this morning It's because there's coming a day when my story will be vindicated and it will blend in harmony with his story. And his story is all that will matter from that point forward. Oh, that makes me excited. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Revelation displays a singing the glorious and joyful sound that began millennials ago is now brought to its conclusion. We find in this book the mixture of faith and experience joined together and put to music and out of it emerges a new song. (laughs) A new song. A song that's never been sung before. But on that day... It will be sung. And what is revealed in Revelation is a widening circle of praise. 
It begins with the four living creatures and it culminates in the whole redeemed family of God singing in triumph. May I remind you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that as a child of God, you are not invited to a funeral, but you are invited to a wedding. And a wedding is a time of celebration. We are not called to a wall to weep and wail, but we are called to stand upon our feet and shout and rejoice as the redeemed of God that I am covered and I am complete in him. Hallelujah. He invites you and I to join in this celebration, a jubilation of the triumph of righteousness over unrighteousness. And here in this revelation, we see the grand finish of it all. The song of the ages, the fall of one kingdom and the rise and triumph of another. Herein is the promise that God made from the beginning brought to completion. The repeating of this vision of heavenly worship is important for you and I to get hold of because it stresses to you and I that this is the future that revelation foresees for you and I. That what we are reading in print is not about some other people, but it's about the people that are sitting on these pews this morning. This song is to be your song. And your song is going to be joined with his song. And in that day, there's going to be a victory. A victory unlike any other celebration we've ever had before in our lives. Oh yeah, you don't get it yet. You see, your song may seem pathetic right now. But one of these days, because you have stayed true and faithful to Him, because you have followed Him and obeyed Him and walked with Him... He's going to bring you alongside himself and he's going to let the song of Moses join with the song of the Lamb and he's going to let us rejoice for eternity because what I could not do in myself, he was able to help me to do it so that I might overcome. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wish you could have been here last night. I've already preached this once. There wasn't nobody here but angels. But they shouted and celebrated. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to our text. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself and a little too excited. We see a brief interlude here in Revelation 15 before the final chapter of all things is written. And in it, John describes this marvelous scene. It's magnificent because it is a time and a scene of intense celebration. For it is in fact the redeemed family of God who have overcome. 
The two songs are blended together. The two songs, humanity and divinity, are blended together. Moses' song and the Lamb's song are made one song. And in that moment of triumph, I want you to understand that something exciting is going to happen when you and I realize that although we were weak, he was strong. And where we failed, he triumphed. And where we stumbled, he never stumbled. And when we couldn't stand up, he stood up for us. And because he stood up for us, now I'm going to get to stand for eternity. I'm going to get to shout with and rejoice with the other redeemed family of God. Now I want you to consider just a moment, just calm down. First of all, I want you to think about the setting. The Bible describes it as a sea of glass. Almost, almost unable in my human weakness to really adequately give you a picture of what that must be looking like. But a sea of glass. Now my first impression is that glass is flat. And so this raging Toiling, tossing, foaming, stirring thing called the sea is going to be calmed and it's going to be like glass. It's going to be smooth as silk. There's not going to be a wave or a ripple. Now, it wasn't like that on the other side. On the other side of the sea, on this side of the sea, it's full of turmoil. It's full of rumbling and rolling and storm and tossing. It's full of lightning and rain and hurricanes and typhoons. It's full of all kinds of creatures in the depth that we know nothing of. But when you get to that other side, the thing that had tormented you, the thing that had raged before your presence, he's going to put a hand on it and it's going to calm down and be smooth as glass. And it's going to be transparent so that you can see through the very depth of it. All the mysteries that you couldn't understand. All the things that you were hidden from view of. All the things that you couldn't understand. When you look back at that moment, you're going to be able to see, oh, I know what that was for. I know what that was about. I realized why I had to go through that. I know why God let that come into my life. Now, I know I'm probably robbing some of you prophetic theological seminary people of some of your glory, but that's how I see it. That's Hughes 101. Stay around, I'll give you part two. A sea of glass. All the turbulent, churning, foaming, lifting, casting, changing, uncertainty, and unknown suddenly become visible and known. 
Could it be that that's what Jeremiah or Ezekiel said? Whoever, I don't remember which one of them, but they said something about Satan or Lucifer. That one of these days we're going to come by and look at him and we're going to say, you mean that's the one that troubled me? You mean that's what gave me fits all my life? You mean that's all there was to him? You mean there wasn't any more to him than that? Why am I terrified of him today? Why am I afraid of him today? When the reality is he's already been defeated. He's already been defeated. His goals have already been crushed. Hallelujah. Woo. What I love best about it is that they, their posture at this position they are standing while I was thinking about that last night and praying the Lord impressed me I want you to understand they were not bedraggled they were not beaten up they were not halfway there they were standing they had overcome they had gotten through it they had gotten the victory you see when you get something you have to go for it Some of you are paying, playing patty cakes with the devil every day and his fear and torment. And the Bible said they had gotten the victory over him. You got to snatch it out of his hand and say, you're not destroying my life. You're not filling me with doubt. You're not destroying my faith. They're not beaten down. They're not beaten up. They're standing. I heard when I was a kid, people saying, I'll be glad if I can only make it in. Just build me a little log cabin in the corner. of." And I'm not making fun of that. But why would you want a log cabin when he's got a mansion that is full of rooms? Rooms and more rooms and more rooms and more rooms and more rooms. Why would you want to settle for barely getting in? Just, oh, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't think I can get through another day. I'm thankful that the picture that God paints of what you and I ought to be looking like is that they were standing. They were standing beside that water that had troubled them and beside that place that had tormented their life. John said, and I saw them that had gotten the victory. Nakeo is the Greek word. It's the word that means those who conquer, those who triumph, those who overcome, those who win the battle and win the victory. They prevail. They subdue. They overcome. That's the people that he is describing in that scene And listen to me. Let me take you back to what I said in the beginning. This glimpse in 15 is really God's hope 
and God's picture of you and I, that that's you and I he's talking about there. Not another people, not another dispensation, but you and I. He's talking about you and I. And we are standing there victorious, triumphant. We have overcome. We have conquered. We have beaten down every adversary and we stand. Oh, you got to get a picture of that in your mind because that is important. Here, write this down. I'm not being smart aleck, but write this down. It's what will help define you. The things that you go through, it's what will help define who you are and whose you are. What you have to go through will define who you are and whose you are. And here is the simple fact. The reason there had been so much trouble, the reason there had been so much turmoil, the reason there had been such a raucous sea is because hell knew what was waiting for you on the other side, I guess. And they were doing their dead level best to try to stop you from getting to where God wants to take you. Hear me this morning, Greater Life Church. Don't let anything stop you on your journey because it's going to be worth every mile, every step of the journey. The third thing I want you to notice is that John said, he, he tells us what they got the victory over. He said, the beast, his image, his mark, his number of his name. Now you can combine the last two if you want to, but when I read it, I see four things that are mentioned. Three or four, it doesn't matter. Those three or four things represent everything that hell could muster up against you. They represent every intimidating force, every power that could be brought to bear, every spirit that could be injected into the equation. Those three or four things uh, delineate the limit of his power. That's as far as he could go. And he threw it all at you and I. He put all of it before you. He put all of it in your way and my way because he didn't want us getting where God was trying to take us. Uh, And all of those things, the image, the beast, uh, the number, all of those things uh, were done to intimidate you and to overwhelm you. But I've got news for you. Hell did its best but hell can't stop what God has redeemed hell cannot stop what God has purchased with his own blood (sighs) those three things represent everything that challenges you and I that fights you and I that tyrannize our lives on a daily basis and listen to me None of them are going to work. None of them are going to work. None of them have the power to stop you if you keep walking by faith. None of them have the power to deter you if you keep living by faith. None of them have the power to stop you if you keep living in obedience to Him. Clap your hands to the Lord. I gotta hurry. 
I had 30 pages of notes. I'm just kidding, but close to it. The last thing that you see are these overcomers, these triumphant ones, these victorious conquerors. The Bible said that God gives them harps. I wonder where God got those harps from. I think he went by Gabriel and said, you've had that long enough, let me have that. I think he went by another angel and said, let me, I got somebody else. He went by another angel because they've been playing these harps and singing all through eternity. But he said, I got somebody coming to be with me. I got to give them something to work with. I've got to give them an instrument to praise me with. And so he takes the harps of all of the angels of the host of heaven and he brings them down. And the Bible describes him as having the harps of God. Now, what is a harp for? Display, put it in the front room. Look what I have. Stradivarius. He gave them harps to use them. Why? Because once you've gotten past the beast and the image and the number and you've overcome the sea that has the, oh, I didn't even mention the fire. Did I say anything about the sea of glass mingled with fire? I mean, that's double trouble. But even double trouble couldn't stop what's in you. Double trouble couldn't stop a redeemed child of God that's made up their mind. I'm going to make it. I'm going to live redeemed. And I'm going to be redeemed in that day. The harps were instruments of praise. Go figure. Why did God give them harps in the first place? Because it's time for a new song. Freedom's grandest song. When we look back and realize that as weak and pathetic as our story was, he brought his story in conjunction with my story and said, come on, we're going to do this together. Come on, we're going to glory together. God never asked me to do anything that he would not equip me to do. He never asked me to live any way that he would not empower me to live. He did not leave me comfortless, but he has sent his spirit into my life so that I could walk redeemed and be victorious in the end. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something, church. It's going to be time to celebrate. Amen. It's going to be time to celebrate, but I have news for you. It's going to be the song you sing while you're going through hell that's going to help you sing when you get to heaven. It's going to be the song that you sang going through the depths of despair when the sea was rolling over and the waves were tossing and the beast was before you and the image was there. 
and all the pressure in the world was on you. And you kept singing your song. You kept singing your song. You kept singing your song. Oh, yeah, a new song for a new season. Brother Clyde I need some help up here. I feel something getting on me right now. There's only one. He's Lord all over my life. I said he's Lord all over my life. Not just the part I have on Sunday, but he's Lord over my Monday life. He's Lord over my Tuesday life. Yes, yes, yes. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I don't have a big enough handkerchief. Some of you people are holding out to heaven. Hey, I have some news for you. Listen to me just a moment. It ain't gonna be hard, pardon my English, it ain't gonna be hard for somebody to sing when they're standing beside a sea of glass mingled with fire. And realize that it's they're over. What God is looking for are some people that can see in the fire. God's looking for some people that it doesn't matter how the waves roll, it doesn't matter how the turmoil comes. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna rejoice, I'm gonna shout aloud and dance about. Why? Because I am his and he is mine. And that joining of the faith, the human with the divine. He's Lord all over my life. Lord all over my life. Lord over my life. Lord over my life. 